coming up on the Inside Indiana Business Television podcast. New jobs are coming to one of the spots they're needed most. We preview Indiana's first ever global summit. We take you to the wine trough and look at Indiana's latest weapon against brain drain. An Indiana company has TikTok to thank for growth. New help to keep your kids busy after school. An Indiana fever legend returns to the team. And we look at the week's top stories with our partners at the IBJ and our panel of insiders. Welcome to the Inside Indiana Business Television Podcast. I'm Andy Ober. New jobs, opportunity, and hope are coming to an urban area that for decades has been looking for a way forward. Bloomington-based Cook Medical's new manufacturing facility on the northeast side of Indianapolis is having a major impact. President Pete Yonkman joined Inside Indiana Business host Gary Dick with more. I want to talk about this uh, unique uh, investment in a moment, but you've got the device, the medical device that will be manufactured at that facility with you. Give us, uh, let us see that device and what it's all about, why yeah. you're doing it at this new facility. Yeah, I have that here, Gary. This, this is a product that unfortunately has been in high demand for us over the last few years. This is called a Blue Rhino percutaneous tracheostomy device. And what this product does is it allows people uh, to come off a, a trach tube. So people who are having trouble breathing are often, often on a ventilator. They have a tube that goes down their, their throat, through their uh, vocal cords, and it causes a lot of distress. This allows physicians to go in in a much more minimally invasive way and allow that breathing for patients. So it's been in high demand. We desperately need that capacity. I can tell you we'll be happy one day when the demand goes back to normal for this product. Yeah, so an important product for you at this new Northeast Side Indianapolis plant. But this is an investment that, that, that really goes beyond uh, the dollars, the jobs, and uh, the opportunity there. But this is about uh, really supporting a, a community in so many ways. Talk about the, the idea, the model behind this, because this is about uh, folks in the community being the employees there and really taking literally ownership of the whole project. Yeah, this building is obviously a beautiful new state-of-the-art medical device manufacturing facility, but it's so much more than that. Uh, it means 100 new jobs for people in the community. I talked to the first 20 employees. Many of them are walking to work. They're riding their bike to work. It's right in the middle of the community. Uh, people are going to have access to free education. Goodwill will run and operate this facility, which means they bring their wraparound services. So things like life coaches, people can help them coordinate. If you're coming out of prison, help them coordinate schedules, get in a license, get to find a place to live. Uh, it really is more of a holistic approach to how can we be part of a community and help build up the, the skills and the resources that people need to make this community a, a successful place. Yeah, I know as, as part of this too, there's a grocery store that you're building in the area there that will support uh, the area that will ultimately be uh, owned and operated by a couple of uh, area entrepreneurs, neighborhood entrepreneurs. That's, a, that's an important piece of this as well. No doubt. So what we learned from being in the community was that the area we're in is a food desert. Um, there are upwards of 100,000 people who don't have e easy access to a grocery store. All five of the big box grocery stores left in the last five years. And so when you talk to people, they're going to the gas station to find food. They can't find fruits and vegetables. You can't have, I mean, just from a business perspective, you can't have a workforce that can't have easy access to food, but you can't have a community that doesn't have access to food. So we partner with two local entrepreneurs Two great guys who grew up in the community. They were trying to build a grocery store. They had a few years into it, but they were struggling. They couldn't get the supply chain. So we brought our ability to build buildings. We know about supply chain, uh, and we're going to be having a brand new grocery store, 15,000 square foot, full service grocery store, right next to our manufacturing plant, right in the middle of the community. And it's going to be owned and operated by two local entrepreneurs. And 
that to me is an example of if everybody brings their best to the table, we bring our skills, they bring theirs, the community brings their resources, we can solve these problems. These obstacles are not uh, too big to overcome. Yeah. These barriers can be broken down, and, and we've seen that with these partnerships that we have. Yeah, and, and I guess to kind of underscore, and you mentioned this earlier, but the employees, uh, it's a diverse workforce from the immediate area, and you've met those goals of really having it uh, all from the, the immediate area there. So that impact, and it's estimated $26 million, it'll extend beyond the, the neighborhood, but so much of it will be right there nearby. Tens of millions of dollars of economic input coming back into a community that had not seen investment, they had not seen uh, opportunity like this before. Uh, you know, you talked about the workforce. As I said, people are coming from the neighborhood. They are, so many of them are walking. And, and what that means is you can be integrated into the community. You're not just driving off somewhere to do a job. We set a goal of reaching 100% minority owner, um, contractors on the build of this facility. We reached that. Um, and I think that's another important part about that. We have uh, dozens of people now who are able to come into the construction industry because of this project who had never been in it before. And they're on their pathway to uh, you know, high paying careers, because if you think about it locally and try to include the local community, you can really get people on the path toward upper mobility. I think a lot of uh, companies and uh, folks will be watching the progress of this uh, unique partnership because I think uh, it is interesting indeed and can have real uh, impact. Pete Yonkman, the president of Cook Medical and Cook Group. Thanks for joining us uh, and good luck with the project. Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. All right. Indiana wants more companies like Israel-based Mammoth Solar to plant roots in Hoosier soil. The state is hoping its first-ever economic global summit could make it happen. Indiana Secretary of Commerce Brad Chambers came on the show with details. This is an idea, this global summit, that I know has been percolating for a couple of years, delayed by the pandemic, but uh, this is something that uh, I, know, I know you've wanted to do for a while. Exactly. I, I give credit where credit's due. Jim Schellinger, former secretary, um, came up with this idea with this mm -hmm. IEDC team, and then COVID got in the way. Yeah. And when, when the team brought it to me on uh, last, last fall, it, it, it fit perfectly with our 5E strategy about external engagement, telling the Indiana story to the world and leaning into all the great things that are going on uh, about in, in Indiana. So. Yeah, well, let's talk about this because this is really, by all indications, going to be a blockbuster event Indeed. based on the number of uh, registrations you have, the number of people you're going to, who are going to be here attending it, and also the speakers. That's right. We have had 800 people register for this event. We have had to close registration. We've got 25 countries participating. So, so taking Indiana to the world, the governor likes to say he wants to take Indiana to the world and bring the world to Indiana. Well, the world is coming to Indiana in, yeah. at the end of May. Yeah, again, former CEO of Google, uh, among those uh, ambassadors from uh, a number of uh, destinations. And it's race weekend. So right. what a perfect weekend right. to showcase innovation, sho showcase Indianapolis and an international event as That's well. That's right. Well, Indiana has got a DNA of hospitality, right? We're, we're hospitable Hoosiers, we're humble Hoosiers. And so there is no better way to showcase Indiana's hospitality than bringing the world to Indiana and, and throwing on a, a thought uh, conversation about innovation and the future of sustainability and the future of our economy. Uh, and having having it done over our international race weekend. So yeah. we're super excited and the guests are excited. They're yeah. really excited to be here. What will be success in your view? I mean, it's gonna put a global spotlight for sure on Indianapolis and Indiana. Uh, that relationship building I'm sure is gonna right. be a big part of it as well. That's right. So typically these events happen on the coast, right? Uh, on, on California, New York or Boston. And so 
they don't happen a lot in the Midwest. And so what we want to uh, come away from this event is uh, a demonstration of Hoosier hospitality, a demonstration of the, in t the deep talent and innovation happening in Indiana, and then converting those conversations into action. There's mm -hmm. a lot of these conversations that happen globally and it's all talk. Indiana is, 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 a, is a state with Midwestern values and takes that talk and converts it to action. So we mm -hmm. really wanna take these innovative conversations from these global thought leaders distill them in Indiana and then put them into, into action for the betterment of our world, really. Do you sense that this comes at a time of momentum when it comes to global uh, connectivity, if you will? I know you and the governor are just back from a trip to, I think, Sweden and, and the UK and some meetings there that this kind of adds to that, that momentum. It does. And I, I will tell you, uh, the governor's done 11 trips. I've done three. And the engagement in the appreciation that mm -hmm. is expressed when we go to see Saab in Sweden or Rolls-Royce in England and, and all these new companies that are evaluating their, their United States strategy, the reception we get, the engagement we get, and the friendship we build makes a difference in our economic growth and our future. So these are important conversations, whether they're over there or they're here, and we're just super excited to have it here in our home state uh, and to showcase the talent, the people. Yeah. And, and the innovation going on in our universities and just our companies everywhere. It's really exciting. Do you, do you, will you use this, I assume you will, as basically a sales tool going forward to pointing to this summit and, and the things that will come out of it as you're, again, trying to attract investment and jobs from around the globe? The fact that uh, you put on this global summit that typically is on the coast happening right here in the middle, middle part of the country. Yeah, more of a statement than I, I think a sales tool. The mm -hmm. statement is... Indiana is recognized globally, and people come and want to hear the story of Indiana and, and, and the innovation that's available here mm -hmm. and, and, and the value alignment that comes from those global partnerships yeah. that we have. So it's a, it's a, the, the, the speaker lineup is fantastic. As you said, Eric Schmidt from Google. We have high-level execs from, uh, from our local companies and, and Lilly and, and others, uh, Amazon. So uh, Shell Oil, I mean, it's just fabulous. Roger Pinsky is going to be there. It's going to be a great, yeah. great event. Looking forward to it, the Indiana, the Global uh, Economic uh, Summit. It will be May 26th through the 29th. Indy 500 weekend, uh, weekend here. We'll have a lot of coverage on Inside Indiana Business as well. Secretary of Commerce Brad Chambers, as always, thanks very much. Thank you. All right. A Hoosier woman is finding sizzle and success in the world of wine. This week's Around Indiana gives a toast to the wine trough in Noblesville. Owner Lacey Clark joined us with her story. One might call it wine on wheels or the best invention since sliced bread. A mobile bar that quite literally brings the party to oh, you. Yeah. I do, we do eight ounce fours, that's true. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> the wine trough is the brainchild of self-professed mamapreneur Lacey Clark. And since opening for business less than a year ago, her trough has traveled to just about every corner of Indiana, quickly becoming a hit at Hoosier venues across the state. So we are a mobile wine bar. We also do beer and spirits, uh, and we do charcuterie. Charcuterie on steroids, that is. We have boards, we have charconery, and then we also have charcuterie tables. Um, our tables are filled from, you know, 10-foot uh, long boards all the way up into layers. And you do these yourself? 
I do, yeah. Um, <laughs> at first I wasn't sure about them, but now that we've really gotten the hang of it, uh, my son will come into the kitchen and he helps me make the meat roses. That's his favorite. So we do this together. It's a lot of fun. We use as much local produce and protein as we can and fill it with carbs and vegetables. And for Hoosiers out there that truly value the concept of shopping local, the Wine Trough is the state's only traveling bar that sources locally. We like local a lot. Uh, we like to support local in everything that we can. So we carry local wines. We have everything from the local wood that was used in our bar to my son and I actually putting this flooring in ourselves. Uh, we had a local guy that came in that does the carpentry that cut out our shelves. And we use local wine and we use local produce. So we're just big on supporting local. And Clark tells me although the wine trough is work, at the end of the day, it's a family affair. So perhaps, in some cases, if you really put yourself out there, it is possible to have it all. My family is full of entrepreneurs. I am not shy to start something that I think will do well or will uh, flourish or help people out. So I was definitely very um, <laughs> spirited about it. My husband will tell you that I bought it, and within three and a half weeks, we had our first event. So I had all my permits in place and everything you see inside of here done in, in about three and a half weeks. Um, so it was interesting, but I think we've had a very, very receptive community. Everyone has loved what we've done. We've heard nothing but good feedback. And again, we're supporting the local wineries to keep them open during COVID. So it's not just about us. It's really about who we're supporting and keeping our money where we're working. Clark has another traveling food and wine truck that will hit the road this summer. She says this latest iteration is a literal horse trough she got from a farm friend in Noblesville. You can check out Lacey's story or book her for your next event at winetrough.com. South Bend-based nonprofit and Focus has a bold strategy to combat brain drain in Indiana. Executive Director Andrew Weand came on the show to talk about what the organization is doing to help keep Hoosier talent from crossing state lines. I remember when you launched, and it doesn't seem like it's been 10 years ago, yeah. but it has. Give me the model, because sure. the whole brain drain thing has been a, a, an issue facing the state for many, many years. There have been a variety of attempts to, to uh, you know, keep talent in the state. How does InFocus do it? Sure, and, and recognizing that um, we had a lot of lessons learned from other models and things, but yeah. ultimately, how do you inspire folks to want to come to Indiana and our communities? Mm -hmm. And so our thought was purpose, and so the way the model works is that we hire recent graduates um, under in focus as two-year innovation fellows. Mm -hmm. And we actually place them on projects in the community that are focused with the regional organizations. And they get to work with the leaders in these organizations to solve their toughest challenges. Mm -hmm. So not only is it a leadership opportunity, but it also helps make a real-world impact. And another uh, carrot and, and an incentive for the graduates is they get a percentage of time to work on either an entrepreneurial endeavor or mm -hmm. a social program or a social issue that they might be passionate about. Mm -hmm. So we um, work on projects, we help them solve community issues, and we give them some time to create things of their own. And, and that has really been working for us over yeah, the past the 10 win, years. The proverbial win-win situation. But looking at uh, recent grads, you are from Notre Dame, Purdue, University mm -hmm. of Michigan, University of Chicago, you're getting some great talent. Sure. And these companies and organizations get to see that talent, too, as they mm -hmm. work on various projects. Yeah, absolutely. And so the project-based model um, obviously gets to solve real problems. There's a real mm -hmm. ROI for that for the organization. Mm -hmm. But really, the broader value proposition is that they get to uh, not only see the skills grow from the talent, but there maybe that's a vehicle for hiring mm -hmm. after the project. And whether it be as a result of the work or 
really the relationships built over time in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, our graduates are, are finding jobs, and really over 70% of them, and about 150 fellowships to date, um, have stayed in the area. Wow, mm -hmm. yeah, so real impact. And, and the idea kind of percolated between you and maybe half dozen of your fellow students, right? Sure. Were you in grad school at Notre Dame? Was Gra that grad school at the time. So in 2012, uh, we were graduating from the university's esteem program, mm -hmm. uh, which was a newer program that is focused on commercializing technology from the university. Mm -hmm. That's grown into um, other things within Notre Dame, but we saw kind of inspiration in the Raleigh-Durham area, mm -hmm. Research Triangle Park. And as we had thought about what this could be in the local community, we pitched this to a few local leaders, formed a board, uh, convinced the early organizations to work on the projects. And in that first year, uh, actually a lot of the organizations who saw value in the projects said, we would like to hire you all. And so we thought, why don't we do this each year, grow it, and, and um, scale it not only across organizations, but across some of our northern Indiana communities. And that's where we are today. Yeah. You've had a real impact over 10 years, but I know you've got, uh, you've got big plans. You've got a big sure. vision for where you want to be in the next five to 10 years. Sure, sure. So we think um, ultimately Northern Indiana ha has been fantastic to us. There is still opportunities for growth in what we call, mm -hmm. call depth, to grow the model in, in the region. But our vision is to be a national model for talent attraction and innovation. And so how might we look at in the next three to five years, Indiana as an opportunity, what other communities might we be seeking to grow? And thinking nationally beyond that, we wanna have good growth, but uh, wanna be steady to our vision. So maybe in 10 years, uh, we're even bolder. Very interesting model attacking the brain drain here in Indiana and ultimately beyond. Andrew Wyand is the executive director at InFocus. Uh, Andrew, congratulations on the success and uh, good luck going forward. All right. Thank you so much for having me. All right. A TikTok video that went viral sent sales soaring for a central Indiana women-owned hygiene company. Sunny co-founder and CEO Cindy Bellardo talked about it with Kylie Valletta in the business of health. Talking about periods can be a little taboo, so we're going to get this out of the way, right out of the gate. Talk about why it needs to be normalized to talk about it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, I never imagined a, a career in periods, but it's now my every day, and half the population will have a period at some point in their life. So we're on a mission just to normalize it and make it easier to talk about. All right, so let's talk about Sunny, your product. There are other menstrual cups on the market, but yours is different. So explain what makes Sunny different. Absolutely, so yeah, my co-founder Drew Jarvis and myself met up and were innovating upon this idea of a menstrual cup. And both of us had experiences of um, it not being very easy to insert for beginners. And so that's what we've made here, the first beginner-friendly menstrual cup that inserts like a tampon. Okay, and we have to talk about your TikTok video too because you posted this TikTok video and then everything just kind of exploded. Tell us what happened after you posted this video. Yeah, so we did an explainer video just about three weeks ago and it went viral, thousands of people watching, and we've continued on because people asked us, when could we buy this thing? And we essentially launched our pre-orders and as you saw, like sales are through the roof and people are very excited about this easier to use, saves you money, eco-friendly product. Okay, so when you posted the video, you I mean, you were kind of gobsmacked. You didn't <laughs> think, I mean, you didn't know this was gonna go viral, right? Absolutely, yeah, this was all a surprise. We were just riding that wave and so excited that our idea and dream has really turned into reality. And you weren't selling product at that point, right? You basically opened pre-orders because the response was so big? Yeah, because everyone was asking us, we turned around and launched the pre-order page. Okay, very cool. All right, so let's talk about your give back program. That's a really 
really important piece uh, to your company, also to your target audience. So talk about the give back piece. Absolutely. So with Sunny, we're a self-care brand delivering menstrual cups and other eco-friendly products. But our big mission and why Drew and I got started in the first place was really to help end period poverty. So we are already donating a portion of our proceeds to nonprofits that help donate to people in need. So experiencing homelessness or incarceration, we ensure that everybody has access because we believe that's that's a human basic right. And talk just a little bit about the eco-friendly piece of this. What makes Sunny more eco-friendly than other products? Yeah, so compared to tampons, you'll use you know 15,000 in one period's lifetime. And the menstrual cup can replace 528 tampons for every one use. And this is a reusable product for about a year. Okay, so we have about 30 seconds left. Uh, what's next? The TikTok success happened. You've launched pre-orders, sort of where do you go from here? Yeah, so we're really excited. We're working very hard to fulfill these pre-orders, shipping by the end of this year and we'll keep everyone up to date on our website and our social media. Okay, and I wanna mention you won the Elevate Ventures pitch competition in 2021, uh, working toward a $750,000 seed round right now. So good luck with all the growth and congratulations. Thank you so much. Remember, you can catch Inside Indiana Business Television on stations throughout the state every weekend. Head to InsideIndianaBusiness.com to check listings. It's not always easy to keep your kids busy after school. Indianapolis Public Schools is partnering with Indianapolis-based After School HQ to help parents and students learn about their options. CEO Darye Henry joined us in our Eye on Education segment. Let's talk about After School HQ, uh, a SaaS platform, uh, mm-hmm. essentially, that's uh, been around now for five years or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about the, the model and what uh, After School HQ is all about. Yeah, what we really do, so we focus on getting more kids in after school programs to enable them to really explore and find their passion and purpose. So, but our platform is really just simply about enabling schools and other youth serving organizations put their programs online, makes it much easier for parents to find, uh, register, and pay for programs. What I thought was interesting uh, in, in some of the research, Indiana is the fourth lowest state in the country for after-school participation. That yeah. surprised me. Yeah, it's definitely surprising, and uh, it's a number that we want to have an impact on. Mm-hmm. So what we found is that wherever we deploy our software, we've seen an increase in registrations, and it's because we're just removing all the friction that's involved and just making it really easy for parents to just know what programs are available. What are the problems uh, in, in, now that exist? You talk about the friction points. Is it a lot of paper, a lot of uh, inefficiencies, I guess? Yeah, yeah and that's, that's really it, right? We have, um, we have paper uh, flyers going out, right? And let's be real, like a lot of these flyers, they go to die in, the parent, in our kids' backpacks, right? Like you don't see it. Um, and so what happens there, you just aren't aware of it and you just can't get to, you know, getting it done. We're always on our phones and we get so much done electronically. And so we need to get this part of society, right? When education, get that moved up to using electronic and uh, e-services. All right, let's talk about uh, your new partnership with Indianapolis Public Schools, obviously a a major uh, school system here in Indiana. Talk about the the partnership and what it means. Yeah, first of all, it means a lot to me, right? I was a product of IPS, and so it's a chance for me to give back uh, to basically, you know, give other students the opportunity to do what I did mm-hmm. when I was in IPS, right? I got to participate in after school programs. That's how I found my passion of entrepreneurship, technology. Um, and so this is a chance to give back with impact. And so uh, we're going to be, you know, 
deploying this to all schools in IPS, um, and then ultimately we hope to have that impact and be able to measure what that is in a few years. Yeah, is it uh, especially important uh, coming out of COVID here and the, the learning loss that certainly happened during that, that period of time as well? Yeah, exactly, that, that's 100% it. Um, there was so much learning loss, kids were virtual, it's just not the optimal learning experience. And so IPS is investing, right, in, in their students and their staff and ultimately in our communities. And so we just wanna take advantage of that and give, you know, again, our kids opportunities to learn. Yeah. After school, uh, HQ uh, expanding with a big partnership with Indianapolis Public Schools. I know you're also expanding outside of Indiana, Louisiana, North Carolina, some other places uh, as well. Daria Henry, uh, thanks very much for joining us and good luck. All right. Thank you. All right. An Indiana Fever legend is returning to the team. Lynn Dunn is now the team's interim general manager. She spoke with Bill Benner on Inside Indiana Sports. I have to start out by asking you uh, what led you back to take on this role and how interim is the interim tag? Well, well, first of all, uh, surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, I thought I'd retired, but um, I, I believe when Tamika decided unexpectedly to step down that uh, she wanted to go in a different direction with her career, um, maybe they were caught a little bit off guard. And so they probably just reached out to somebody that they thought <laughs> still had a great deal of love for the fever, which I do. And uh, when Rick Fuson called me and said, here's the situation, could you help us out? And I, and I just couldn't say no. Um, I've loved the fever. I invested many, many years here and um, loved working with Rick and, and Pacer Sports and Entertainment, Jim Morris, Kelly Crosstop. So I said, okay, I'll help you out as long as you need me, but um, not sure how long that'll be. An interim could be another week. It could be another <laughs> year. It could be... <laughs> Two years until we could just get this just get this franchise back on track. Well, and starting to get it back on track, you walked into a situation, as we mentioned, unprecedented four first-round draft choices led by Nalissa Smith uh, with the number two draft choice overall. And you have to be tremendously uh, excited about being able to bring in this uh, rookie class. Well, you know, Bill, there's nothing fun about losing. Uh, the only rewards you get is a high draft pick. <laughs> and so so with that high draft pick, number two in the draft, we were able to select Melissa Smith from Baylor, who a lot of people felt like could have gone one. So uh, either whether she went one or two, uh, you know, we were prepared for that situation. Uh, she is an exceptional player. She's going to have a huge impact on this franchise. Hopefully she'll be the face of the franchise in the future. But our ability to make some other trades and get, uh, you know, four first-round draft picks and rebuild this, uh, this franchise with young players, I think, is, is historic. Lynn, talk about uh, as the season begins at Cambridge Fieldhouse, but you will be moving on because of construction at the Fieldhouse to the Indiana Farmers Coliseum and then wrapping up at uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. I mean, that's, that's kind of the grand tour. Well, it's challenging, you know, and we understand that we're in the th third and final phase of the full renovation of Cambridge Fieldhouse, and it, it's absolutely gorgeous now, but when they finish this last phase, it's just going to be one of the best facilities, you know, not only in America, but in the world. And so we understand we'll be able to play some of our games here, some at the Coliseum, um, and, and then a few at historic uh, uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse. And then this next time, this time next year, we'll be home and we'll be settled uh, and we'll be moving forward. So we're not going to worry about things like that. All we're going to focus on is how these rookies are going to get better 
you know, from beginning of practice to end of practice. Hey, Lynn, as we wrap up quickly, uh, the 10th anniversary of the WMA championship team will take place May 22nd at the Fieldhouse, and that has to be very exciting to bring that group back together for another salute. It's very exciting, and we're thrilled to find out that almost 99% of all the players, staff that participated in that championship season will be back for the game on May 22nd. We hope the fans will come back. Everyone will be here to really enjoy the 10th anniversary of our WNBA championship. Well, we look forward to seeing the Fever play under Hall of Famer, uh, Mary Ann Stanley. And, Lynn, thanks for being on the program. We wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you, Bill. It's great to see you again. The multi-million dollar transformation of downtown Greenwood is starting to take shape, and Eli Lilly has big expectations for a new diabetes and weight loss drug. We talked about these stories and more with news editor Mason King with our partners at the IBJ. This, uh, this transformation really of downtown Greenwood has been talked about for a long time, $83 million, and is, as I said, really beginning to, to take shape. Yeah, the city has been uh, into trying to uh, modernize and changes downtown to make it a more attractive place to be. Uh, they want more rental housing. They want more restaurants. They want more amenities. So this project, which has so many different facets to it, has hundreds of apartment units, dozens of townhomes and condos. Opening Friday, they have a 65,000 square foot sports facility for the community to use. Wow. Yeah. So really, as I said, been talked about for a long time. Greenwood, one of a number of uh, central Indiana communities, really taking a, another look at its, uh, its downtown. Lily's diabetes and weight loss uh, drug, again, creating a, a bunch of buzz. And there's some uh, expectation this could be a multi-billion dollar revenue generator. That's right. Yeah. Some analysts are looking at terzepatide. Uh, having the potential of generating five billion dollars a year in revenue it certainly brings it you know the quintuple blockbuster status if you will and uh, it, it sounds like science fiction <laughs> uh, some of the, the clinical trials have found that they can help patients lose as much as 22 percent of their body weight wow that is amazing okay one more story we want to touch on our local building requirements driving up home prices i know there's a, a state c commission that's been put together to really really take a look at that yeah, the state is really interested in improving the affordability of housing in Indiana. One of the ways that you can do that uh, is taking a look at the different requirements that counties and local municipalities have for builders. For example, architectural requirements or the impact fees uh, that they would charge. Uh, the state wants to take a close look at those things. They've created a 13-member panel uh, to kind of explore that entire issue of cost. Very good. Mason King from the IBJ Newsroom with just some of the stories in this week's uh, edition of the Indianapolis Business Journal. Mason, as always, thank you and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. And finally this week, our insiders take a look at the biggest business stories in Indiana. This week's panel includes Winston Trail Group Principal Robin Winston, International School of Indiana Head of School Elizabeth Head, and Mike Harmless with Harmless Consulting. We'll begin with the Cook Medical story, which I think is an interesting story for so many reasons. One, investment, $15 million, ultimately could mean 200 jobs, Robin, but uh, near northeast side of Indianapolis, the, the, the focus goes of what Cook is trying to do there goes far beyond the jobs and investment. Well, it's tremendous. It's a public-private partnership. Uh, you've talked about Akilah Darden and what she's done on recruiting XPE firms to be part of the process. 
It'll rejuvenate the neighborhood, create jobs. A grocery is going to be part of it. Goodwill Industries is involved. I mean, it's just it's a perfect synergy to make a difference in a neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, Elizabeth, as you look at that, companies are always looking for ways to make a difference in communities like that. This is, is something I think that, that is really potentially long-lasting, long-term, because they're employing people from the community. The grocery store ultimately is going to be run and owned, I think, by two local entrepreneurs. So it's really a great story. The key word here is access. Mm-hmm. Access, because what it does is it allows people in the community to have access to resources that will truly benefit their lives. Mm-hmm. So they're partnering together to give back to the community, mm-hmm. as well as the community benefiting from that partnership. So yeah. access is key here. Really proud of what Indiana is doing with that partnership. Yeah. Mike, uh, another part of town, downtown, mm-hmm. uh, specifically across the street from Gainbridge uh, Fieldhouse, kind of near east side of the downtown area, $250 million, two tower project announced uh, an investment group led by by Herb Simon. Big project and, and part yeah, of what's going to be a really dramatic makeover of that part of town. Absolutely. I mean, it's always very enjoyable to reflect on what the Simons have done for this community. Mm-hmm. Their loyalty, Herb and Mel, uh, they, they have just been so loyal. Uh, the Pacers, this investment is just going to be spectacular. And there's, it, it's really going to change that whole venue and what that area of town looks like. So congratulations to Herb Simon again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Robin, does it, does it shift a little bit, just kind of the, 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 the center of activity downtown, if you will? You've got the convention center, obviously, then you come east. Uh, you know, toward Gainbridge, the sporting events, the things that are going to happen there with the skating rink and all the outdoor activities there. Right. It's going to make that whole area sizzle. Mm -hmm. Don't forget right down the street, the city county building is going to have a a completely new redevelopment there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the former jail will have a redevelopment. Mm -hmm. That area that used to be a sleepy part of our city Mm -hmm. will will be a sizzling part of our city. Yeah, yeah. Another uh, part of the Indiana economy that is sizzling and has continued to do so for some time is the ag, uh, the ag tech, the ag biotech uh, sector in Indiana. Big news this week, uh, Solymph Tech uh, secured $60 million uh, in funding uh, that was just announced this week. A really big deal for them, the West Lafayette-based company, a Brazilian company that initially they said, we're going to put our North American headquarters here. They say, we're going to move the whole deal here, uh, Elizabeth. This is really important for Indiana. Indiana yeah. has to continue to keep the momentum of attracting foreign investment, mm-hmm. foreign recruitment of talent for the workforce development issue. Indiana wants to stand out on the U.S. global on the U.S. map for yeah. global industry. That's why we have an International School of Indiana. It's why we have an international center. It's why we have international routes at our airport. Mm-hmm. So this type of foreign investment, this type of commitment to Indiana, is what mm-hmm. Indiana has to continue to do to help the mission of the state thrive. Interested in your take, too. The Global Economic mm-hmm. Summit, the first ever here in Indiana, taking place race weekend, essentially, uh, in Indianapolis. 800 people are registered. They're cutting off registration. They've got uh, the former CEO of Google. They've got, uh, I think, two dozen ambassadors from around the world coming here. The global spotlight's going to be on Indiana. Exactly, because this is one of the key components of why Indiana is a great place to live and work within mm-hmm. the United States. They've, they've attracted new numerous different countries to attend, people, as you mentioned, 800 people plus. And what it does is it makes the focus on Indiana be so important of we're more than just one of the 50 Mm -hmm. states. We're a place where the world wants to be. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's interesting. Went down to the Derby several years ago. I was on the Derby train and they were entertaining CEOs from I don't know how many different companies. I am so pleased 
that Indiana is highlighting the Indianapolis 500, bringing all these people to our state so that they can see not only the 500, but see all the other amenities and how hot Indianapolis mm -hmm. is and mm -hmm. how much is going on. Purdue's doing a great job, IU's doing a great job. We just need to keep our focus on economic development. Yeah, and as you look at that, Robin, and you've been around for a long time, as I have, uh, I mean, Indiana seems to be, its, it's uh, uh, you know, presence on a global stage seems to be um, getting some momentum. Well, and think about the airport. There's a reason mm -hmm. that, that we have a FedEx here, mm -hmm. because of the moderate weather. So I hope that it impresses upon those CEOs, you can get in here. You can get in here to the best rated airport in the country, mm -hmm. time and time again. You have excellent hospitality and the kind of stories you're talking about, mm -hmm. they'll, be, they'll be seeing the fruition of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another interesting story this week, uh, the best firms to work remotely uh, at uh, released this week, a Fishers-based company, Hubstaff. This company in Fishers has uh, 90 remote workers in 28 countries, mm -hmm. so very interesting. But the state of Indiana or different organizations really trying to get remote workers to live here. Well, this is the beauty, right? People living on the coast, mm -hmm. expensive, high cost of living. Mm -hmm. Now, if you work remotely, which that's here to stay, yeah. they can choose where do I want to live, work, mm -hmm. where do I want to raise my family? And so they're looking at states like Indiana. If you look at a school like ours, we've had an influx of families coming from the coast because they say, I want to live in a state to raise my family well, good cost of living, mm -hmm. wonderful environment, great amenities, mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter where my employer is, I yeah. get to be where I choose to be. And yeah. Indiana can really capitalize on this by attracting these families. Yeah, yeah. And for, you know, firms that are not adopting this, this new uh, approach to their employees mm -hmm. are losing those employees mm -hmm. because the employee mm -hmm. is looking at you know, their, their family and, and their mm -hmm. time at work and their time off work. And so it's it's really smart strategy right now mm -hmm. to be very thoughtful about your employees. Well, and Mike, you and I both know from national politics, our friends between the Boston to Washington corridor and the San Francisco to LA corridor would never think that this would be in Indiana. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I think yeah. they'd fail a lot of trivia questions if you ask, but we know the answer and it's a tremendous answer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots happening uh, in and around Indiana. Great to have the insiders back uh, in person, in studio. Robin Winston, Elizabeth Head, and Mike Harmless. Thank you one and all. That wraps up this week's Inside Indiana Business television podcast. Remember, you can find all of this week's TV segments as well as the top business news from throughout the state at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. While you're there, you can also subscribe to our platform of free e-newsletters. This is Andy Ober for Inside Indiana Business.